Welcome to the first episode of Office Hours. My name is Nicholas. Office Hours is a new show that gives NFT and DAO creators a creative and critically constructive environment for workshopping their project's tokenomics. It's my hope that Office Hours helps people with a project, a community, or just an idea refine their sense of who their audience is, what behaviors they would like to incentivize, and how to go to market. This show is recorded live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Twitter Spaces and will be available for download here on the JuiceCast podcast feed. If you have feedback, please send me a DM on Twitter at Nicholas with four leading ends or drop into the Juicebox Discord at discord.gg juicebox. Start a thread for your project in the Project Creators channel or join the Office Hours thread for a discussion of this show in particular. If you'd like to discuss your project with us on air, please drop into the live recording or consider purchasing a priority reservation NFT, which will bump you to the front of the queue. A link to our Juicebox project is in the podcast description. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome, welcome. I would love to have somebody who has a project or want something that, they, that I can help with, or I can just talk about what I've been thinking about. I have a few ideas percolating about ideas. I'm actually just in DMs right now trying to convince Gabriel Haynes to drop an idea I came up with last night of, we were talking after the Juicebox Town Hall with um, this guy Salman, who's a content creator. He's got about 300 viewers consistently, like a three, 300 views per video on YouTube consistently, um, but variance between like 150 and uh, for two-year-old videos, he's got up to thousands of views, but for the consistent like weekly posting. So he's got like a small audience. And anyway, we were thinking about ideas uh, for how to monetize his collection or or how to actually how to make his juice box fundraise viable. His audience is an audience that he doesn't expect to have the liquid uh, cash to spend on NFTs to support him. So he imagines that the people who are going to be supporting him are maybe not the direct consumers of the videos, but something else. I was suggesting uh, he should let us just buy ad space by purchasing NFTs and tell him what the ad is in the memo of the NFT. Um, so, and the reason being that although his audience is probably too small, it, maybe he can eventually grow into some kind of audience that people want to advertise, like, I don't know, Polygon or whoever's hiring in the geography that he addresses with his Web3 employment content is the theme. But in the meantime, it would at least be fun. He could just put up an NFT and, and sort of ask Juicebox ecosystem people to pitch in to support his earliest experiment. But I think it would be better if he sells something that's actually fun. And the closest thing I could come up with in that conversation, I think, was just let us buy 15 seconds of ad time on your next episode or let us let, uh, uh, let us either sponsor an episode, come up with a rough price for what an episode costs and get and give us an ad placement. Or I kind of think it's actually even spicier to just sell. I was thinking about doing this for my podcast, just sell like $15 to, or no, uh, ten, I was going to do $10 a second and I'll sell you five seconds per NFT. Unfortunately, the Juicebox interface doesn't yet have multiple uh, purchase multiple of the same tier and even probably better for some of these things would be 1155. But at the very least, it would be really nice if you could purchase a lot of them and then I can like sell only up to the, you know, the number I'm willing to, to do in a week in an episode, say total supply of six NFTs and they're five seconds each. And I just read out or ad lib based on what you put in the memo. So that was kind of an interesting, I don't think he's going to do it, but it got me excited about trying to do it. So I was thinking maybe I'll do it for the podcast for my show, but I'm talking to Gabriel Haynes now about uh, encouraging him to do, I'd love to see someone try like um, Cameo, but you just send the text in the memo of the NFT uh, that you mint on Juicebox are one of the few places where you can mint an NFT and send a message that gets, that is visible publicly. So I think it makes perfect sense to just let me buy time. Like, because I think 2023 we're, Utility was a meme in the 2022 meta at some point uh, around whatever, uh, Moonbirds and 
all this shit, uh, artifact and other side and all these things. But it was always a specul. It was a narrative for a speculative future, like vaporware speculative fantasy. Uh, it's like fantasy fiction. Uh, it's like speculative fanfic for the audience that is Twitter NFT degens uh, and their ability to imagine that what you're telling them might be the future of, and that's over. But I think 2023 actual utility, just sell me something. My challenge for people in 2023 is to sell an NFT people actually want. There can be an element of speculation in it, but let's primarily go for things that people actually want to purchase. So what things do people have around that they can sell? One of them is attention and time. So if you're a content creator, I think selling a little portion of the attention of what you create is one way to, to, to monetize what you're already doing and create more sort of a cycle around what you're already doing. So I'd like to see versions that are at an ad in a show. If you're a content creator, either sell a little piece of attention, but sell it at a, at a, a fragment that is funny. Like try and do something that's actually fucking interesting rather than just imitative of what Time Magazine and Condé Nast would sell. Like I don't care what a Super Bowl ad is, so hopefully Gabriel Haynes will be down to do something like this because I think just getting someone to speak your text, if you zoom out a little bit, I don't think it's fundamentally competitive with like Twitch or Cameo or OnlyFans. If your audience is credit card based, I think you ultimately should just go to the ones that are very professional products that take credit cards. So it needs to be something that's targeted for a crypto audience also, which is hard because People want to sell generic shit that no one wants that much. And you really should probably be selling something that's much more specific, situated, and personal to what you're good at. So there's not going to be blanket answers for DAOs. There will be some mechanisms, and I can blather on about the mechanisms that I've been thinking about. But does anyone have a project they want to talk about? Oh, well, I just wanted to hop in quickly and be like, Jess Sloss today tweeted, <laughs> it was mildly triggering because we're, <laughs> I, I'm, we need governance. I think Web3 and the whole point of it is governance in many degrees and or a major point of it is governance um, since we're looking at like what does collective ownership look like and then what does collective like agency over the directionality of that community look like. Um, so I'm ex really excited to commit more to that um, because that wasn't really a focal point for us. Like we really tried to launch with a lot of mega utility, which clearly, um, as you mentioned, became kind of a meme of last year. Um, but I, he tweeted today, he was like, he was like less focus on government governance, more focus on business. And so it is this question to me, it's like, well, we really need to be thinking about the products. And I just think it's interesting, like knowing a lot of, most of you in this space right now, we're really in between digital and in real life worlds. And we're bringing web three, all of our expertise in real life. Um, and so I know for me, I've just been thinking a lot more about like, okay, well, we're not devs in our community. So what are our products? What is our business? Um, and then how do we create recurring revenue from whatever those products are with the support of the transparent tools of Web3? So anyway, that's just something I wanted to throw in there. Totally. It's funny because I found too much focus on governance, not enough focus on business. Is that the tweet? Yeah, that's the that's the tweet. And it was like definitely a bit triggering. <laughs> well, it's funny because we talked, I talked to him two hours before that about exactly this subject. And uh, I'm just like, and I was actually, I think I even mentioned you and I said, you could do NFTs selling a wine club subscription. Like I buy, you know, direct, yeah. just do the product directly on NFTs. And I think people would buy it. There is, there's a question mark, like if you're going to do that, you have such a smaller audience amongst people with MetaMask and ETH. 
it would probably just make sense to do it on whatever name your web two platform. So why do it here? Why would it be a stable recurring revenue here? The bigger question. I think the interesting point there would be, and, and honestly, it's interesting because I've been poached like to basically build something like that out for another community. Um, Cause I was a bit stubborn about like thirsty, thirsty, like not becoming a wine club, even though we had a web, like a web two wine club. But more and more, I'm like, okay, well, that's something that maybe we could just do, like you said. But I think the incentive, at least as somebody who's obviously bullish on the longevity of this, is the collective ownership, which is why governance is also important. The opportunity for folks to get to, you know, vote on what region the next box wines highlight or what, you know, the next season of wines is going to be exploring. And, and that is what is unique about Web3. Um, but again, like that audience percentage is the challenge. The other challenge is honestly like the, how decentralized it really can be. Like how do you ship four bottles of wine anywhere, especially as, when you're dealing with folks who maybe want to remain anon. Um, so there's a lot of like weird little pain points, but you're right. It is worth thinking about. It's nice to have a forum, like a governance forum or some way to make decisions as a prereq. So then uh, it does take leadership oftentimes. It's not like governance for governance sake, but it's nice having a medium for making decisions and having discussions that's somewhat somewhat formal to some extent. And it usually formalizes as weight is put on the business aspect. It's put on the thing that is that the decisions are being made around. So the governance doesn't really matter unless there's, you know, 10K sitting in the treasury and then 50K, then 100K, and then maybe governance formality becomes more important. But some lightweight just forum of having conversations and making decisions together, call it governance, call it whatever. It's not the focus of, of NFT design necessarily, but it, I think it's, it is what, what allows uh, communities to start delegating to more centralized nodes to, to fulfill uh, business decisions for a set amount of times while also being accountable to whatever stakeholders maybe is delineated by the NFT distribution or, or what have you. Um, so it, it's not, yeah, it's, 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 it's not one or the other. Yeah. Agreed. I, I just think it's like, you don't actually, I, I agree that it's good to have a place for people to talk and feel like they can have input. I think just the, the, like I, I follow, um, just in any community you, you do want like if it's a, if it's a cultural community, you kind of want people, you want to constrain governance, the gov- the role of governance to the parts that are fun and not the parts that can rug the community or just in general introduce so much friction that it's not fun to be there anymore for the organizers and the thing just peters out. I think that's like the number one cause of death for these things. And so you want to, I, and also people are not careful enough when, and it's just because we don't know how to do it, but we should be creating DAOs where the role of DAO member is fun. Like I don't, I don't want to care. I don't care who how we're paying paying for Figma. Like it's not fun to manage that. And I would rather someone responsible just do it. Of course, a freeform governance DAO can choose that. But I think just if you think about it from the perspective of someone on Twitter or you know, just someone who has a life and is not particularly obsessed with DAOs, but is curious enough, knows the name, knows the word, they want to participate in things that are fun, to do things that are fun with their lives, and they want great experiences. They don't they're not, they're not generally, there is a subset of people who are trying to fill, fill the hole that DAO governance, <laughs> of DAO governance in their lives. But I think they're very few and far between. And frankly, I'm not totally convinced that people who are obsessed with DAO governance are people who get shit done. I think there, you need a certain amount of governance sometimes, but you want as little as possible. Just the fun parts. Like It enables the people who do get shit done, though, to get like 10 times more shit done, in, in, in my opinion, and have like an open accountability for that. 
and uh, a public record of decisions made in the past. I feel like it's hard to be uh, like the, the the opposite of like communities that that are geared towards membership being fun is the onus and responsibility lies with uh, like an opaque centralized or an opaque few people who uh, maybe don't have the correct incentives so that they they deserve in that case for the responsibility they're taking on. And um, it's it's at least you distribute the that that responsibility around for those who want to partake. You don't obviously have to partake. There's a lot of fun that needs to be had um, for those who don't care about exercising their governance rights or privileges. But it's I'm very skeptical of these DAOs. Honestly, I think it's those ulti- taking risks need to be the ones taking rewards, right? Like if you're like there's rewards for those who want to take responsibility over things and it's hard i think a lot of the web3 value prop for me at least is is ownership and it is this the scary risky like responsibility thing but that's the antidote to a lot of the problems we've seen in the past that we're somewhat fighting against i also think it's important like you know where you're seated is so different from like a community like mine or even you know what i foresee with like studio dao and and things like that it's like I actually really appreciate that offering to, I think obviously all of this is true. It's a both and situation, but as, as I'm just beginning to design the governance for our community with the help of some folks here, I really do appreciate hearing like, Oh yeah, like it should also remain fun or at least like a dose of that should be maybe prioritized as we're thinking about like what comes through, especially because when I think about my community that has that foothold in reality, or, you know, non-Web3, people are coming to us for joy and um, kind of like a safe entry to Web3 rather than it becoming their lives. Right, right. And also, like, I just think the number of people you can get to commit the amount of attention for it, like, Juicebox DAO is in, a, is in a unique position because it is unique smart contracts that enable things that, like, it's not just people with a similar vibe getting together. It, 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 it it's able to Tech protocol. It, it's like, yeah, it's like a serious program that was written by uniquely talented people. It's not everybody. And I keep, I had dinner with some people from Zora the other day and I was like, if the protocol requires that every user be as brilliant at marketing as Nike, your protocol is a failure. Like you're never going to get that. Those people, they're so few and far between that actually the infrastructure choice doesn't matter then. It's just, who are those people? And those people will make it, get it done one way or the other. But it's so rare to have, so I feel like people, things need real business models. They need to not primarily be about uh, giving everyone freeform governance because I don't think they want it. Some people think they want it. Sometimes you do want it, but you probably don't want it as much as you think and you probably can't spend that much time doing it. And I think most things in the world, like every co- if every coffee shop required that everybody who ever bought a coffee to some degree participate in their governance, I think it would just, every, everything would be much more bureaucratic. And I think there would be a lot less unique voices. The things that survive, I'm not sure that they would actually be properly incentivized. I, I kind of like the idea of lots of little things rather than every single thing needing to be huge. Just have things that are, so maybe, I think overall you need to, we need to explore some dissociation between what's generating the revenue and what's governing the the thing. Ideally, you would completely separate the governance token from the revenue generation uh, opportunity. Like, Yes, you want to give people who have the token, who who are taking risks by participating governance control, but you also don't just want it to be like by control of governance of this thing. And then whatever the floor is of it on Uniswap is, you know, or the redemption price is just like anybody can come in and take over the thing. Because I think it will, 
I don't think most projects will succeed if that if they're required to do that. I don't think most projects will. Same page. I, I, I think that's a productive way to kind of set the conversation forward. It's not necessarily pinning it against governance. Um, I think both are, are they have its utilities um, for different aspects of the like each DAO as, as, as a, a unique uh, organization. But I'm, I'm interested to see how to create systems where you don't have to commit to one, right? I feel like oftentimes people feel like they have to commit to one uh, macro strategy that defines how their DAO works. And sometimes there is one that feels right and it makes sense to start with. But oftentimes it's it's nicer to have moments. Um, maybe I mean I think the the idea of a season uh, was was pretty popular this past year. Um, but just trying new ways to create micro micro uh, momentary memberships over scope decisions that pull in uh, like scoped cash flows. Um, super interesting things. But exactly, yeah, I, I think, yeah it, it's still nice to have the underlying governance. So it's it's not yeah. I think the more productive ways like. What, what can we do to, to uh, have more lightweight, low-risk experimentation that are that feels artful and engaging that most people can participate in? Um, I have a small example of a, a concept that builds on Perry's recent project, Capsules, to kind of like maybe um, it's a, it might be a decent way to kind of like like put some visuals to, to a concept that we can like riff on and then move on to a, a new one. I don't know what's the best place to post some images here. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind of annoying. You have to like tweet them and then go to the tweet and share it to the. Okay, I'm gonna post. give it. I'm gonna give it a go here. Um, Maybe so well, if you haven't been to yeah. capsules. Yeah, is that a good recommendation? Can I just post two screenshots? Yeah, please. Yeah, I thought you were gonna take a second to do it. Yep, go for it. No, it's on my phone here. It should be should be easy. I'll tag you in it just in case um, it doesn't get seen. Um, so if you haven't been to capsules as a, as a concept, this is, was written by Perry. Brilliant project that puts uh, fonts on chain. And you can go into capsules and basically mint uh, um, a, a word that gets rendered on chain. And you can pick your color and pick your font size between six different font sizes. Uh, kind of riffed on a concept. Uh, Use Studio DAO as a guinea pig here. I think, I think Ken's in the audience may appreciate this. Um, if I, I just tweeted under the NFT tokenomics office hour uh, header post by Nicholas. It's It's like... Essentially, uh, it's a prompt of like you can consider it like a membership in the Studio DAO or just some other thing, but it's really reflecting on this idea that like the coolest thing about about the tiles collection about a year and a half ago was that everyone who came into the Discord who joined the community uh, had a, something to show that they inputted creatively that people could look at and admire uh, the choices and artistry in that person's choices. And then that created a whole like subsequent set of verbiage around these things and categorization and like sub communities, like chaotic tiles versus orderly tiles. Um, so kind of like a, a concept where you just basically reskin the, the capsules UI. Um, like imagine Studio DAO could say like, "Cool, everyone who comes in here uh, is prompted with like, what's the best movie ever made?" And uh, you just type in your favorite movie. And then the second page, uh, once you've once you've got that NFT kind of sketched out, just a text format based on a, a single prompt, uh, you can mint it. And then you come into the Discord as a new member or a new part of some sub scheme or something, uh, and you you're like, in this case, the Shrek guy, right? Who's like, all right, I, I, my favorite movie is Shrek. 
then everyone can like you have that moment. Maybe the other folks have also mentioned Trek. Maybe it's like a, it's bounded to be like unique, so only one person could ever mention Trek. Um, but you like, bring into the community something of your own, so it doesn't feel like you're just joining someone else's mission statement necessarily. But the mission statement is 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 welcoming a community to also offer perspectives and create amongst themselves uh, with this broad tone of like what we're what we're here for, right? In this case, films. Um, I, I don't know if it, if membership is the right word here, or if there's a way to utilize certain things in addition to other things. You obviously don't want to overload communities with all kinds of tokens that are just spread out and then rendered useless. Um, but like, it, it, I think the idea of inputting into an NFT, uh, not just minting, but actually giving some piece of data alongside it that gets compartmentalized in that NFT and then rendered and represented. Uh, is an interesting uh, mechanism that could be generalized and applied. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, like minter customization is a good. I just need. I really want things that are like. There's real demand. Like people can't get enough of it. Like it, they selfishly want it. They want to go even further than just expressing themselves. But they want. They need it. They like. I, I think once once a, a self once a. NFT collection reaches a certain kind of popularity, then people do want it that way. But it needs to have a kind of momentum that it's a social sig signal. Even if people don't think of it that way, they the art is better when it's worth 10 ETH, you know? That freaks me out, though, because then that makes me think of this, like, high beast culture and, like, I, I don't know. I, I really hope that that's not, like, the only route um, because I know that... You need yeah, demand. You need me. demand some way or the other. It can be chill demand. Uh, it can be Zen <laughs> forms of demand, but it still needs to be demand. Like at the end of the day, if people don't want it, they don't want it. I mean, it's funny at the Django. I don't, I don't know if you remember this when we were all, when we were at that bar um, and we were joking about like token, go, token goes sideways versus token goes up. Like, the vast majority of the engaged NFT collecting community are token goes up people. Like, I, I think just like the current community, everyone who's out there has been trained like, yeah. token goes up is good. Like, that's what gets attention. And, you know, the quest for real utility is something that I think is still... Well, the problem is just that like customizing a capsule is not real enough utility for a big audience, frankly. And if you made it attached to a DAO, it still wouldn't be to, to sustainably like it needs to have, it doesn't need to be hype. It, it, it doesn't need to be spe purely speculative, but if it's going to be something else, then you have to offer something of real utility, real, real utility, not generosity utility, not sympathy utility, but genuine, like I need this ability that this is going to give me. And I think most projects don't have any actual utility. Yeah, the, like the, the, core, the core utility thus far in DAO NFT is we mint in NFT, like we set a directional tone, we mint an NFT to load a pot and we collectively then organize the sum of our chipping in into things like buying a ticket to space right and i think that there's something there that's actually real and actually organic and actually like it definitely feeds on network effects without a doubt but i think like that is important to also like cherish you know moondow Moon would have failed if they launched right now frankly like it was a bull market thing uh it doesn't mean it's illegitimate but 
I think there is what I would say, in, I, I agree with you. I'm interested in us figuring out the Kickstarter model with blunt finance and uh, like a, a minimum raise. And if you don't hit the minimum mark, which is the mark to do something that people want, that's your utility. If you can't hit a million dollars then you can't send someone to space and everybody gets a refund automatically, I think that will enable lots of these bounty kind of Kickstarter model fundraises for things and people will feel more comfortable getting into them. But still, there is real utility there. Uh, however, I think that utility would not have been enough in the bear market um, for that particular example. Sure, sure. I think like what, what Kenny's already done is a version of this. Even at Thirsty Thirsty raising a 10K around certain things like, like we, we, you've sold 40 or so NFTs at 0.04 and aggregated $10,000 to then distribute. Unfortunately, you had the onus of making those choices without like all those members being a part of it. But I think there's like, there's something there. Like the magnitude doesn't really, is it like the, the bull market was a, was a, it exaggerated the potential. But I think the moment we're in now proves that if we can prove that we can collectively manage $10,000, then it gives people more confidence to put in $50,000. If we can prove we can manage that together, it gives people confidence to put in $500,000. Sure, but these are all dependent on, like the, the, it's dependent on shipping something that people actually want. I don't really want to litigate existing projects on Juicebox. I don't think it's nice to anybody. Um, but like, you need to have some utility that people really want. And it's important that we come, that's what I'm interested in developing here. So look, we can easily go for conversations where we're like, well, we'll just try to raise some money. And if people like it, then more money. Will, but that's exactly what this is trying to be the opposite of. This is shrewd tokenomics. Like how do you make things people really want, really want? not advertising exclusively to like I, the guy Salman yesterday we were talking and um, he was like, well, I could do an NFT and uh, you know, just try, try and sell it to maybe do a juice box grant or something. But it's like, if you ask the people who are your biggest supporters for help and then they feel somehow obliged to participate, it's not bad. But if the pro, if the thing isn't going further than that group, then it, you have a perverse thing where you're putting a weird pressure on the people who are the most supportive uh, and so I'm really interested in finding things that can work on Twitter, like work on, that can really, like this Gabriel Haynes project, I think. I, so I'd like to explore like more ideas around rather than returning to, you know, it's enough. What we're doing is enough. I, I, what we're doing, we're already doing. We don't need to argue about that. But I'd like to explore new models. So for instance, uh, one time use voting tokens, so something connected to this like blunt finance uh, Kickstarter style raise idea where you do a fundraise, there's an NFT that you get for the participation. You use that to decide how to, how to spend those specific funds, say $10,000, uh, or I, I mean, ideally it was already defined upfront in such a way that convinced enough people to get involved that you hit the, the limit. So there's probably some pre-chain marketing thinking around what it is that we're trying to do together. And then that token you get to use in that one-time vote and then once you've used that, it's over. So if if you want to participate in some subsequent DAO, we need to make a new NFT to participate in some sub like one one NFT, one proposal, one vote is an interesting way. It doesn't need to be the only existence of the DAO, but like for instance, Lexicon could offer that for forming. And for each edition of forming, they're dropping an NFT. And then with that NFT, you vote on the viewer's choice uh, of, of amongst the specific list of musicians that performed at that concert very constrained governance, five options or whatever. The choices that are on that list were predefined by Lexicon based through their way that they plan forming. And then people come to a concert, they put set aside 15% of the treasury. Um, the rest goes, is split evenly between the musicians. 15% is going to be the viewer's choice award. And we're also going to put them on blast on Twitter. Wacko is going to make a 3D model of them. 
uh, and we're going to tweet it out along with the fact that they get 15% additional allocation because they're the viewer's choice. And now all the musicians are incentivized to go sell the vote tokens because they want their audience to vote for them so that they can get the payoffs, so that they can get the publicity. So like now we're starting to get into a place where there's a reason why I'm motivated as a musician at the show, not just to like the tweet and maybe retweet the fact of the existence of the concert, but to actually get my followers who are a Venn diagram of people outside of the initial audience to go and promote and buy the NFT on my behalf so they can support me. Now we're like in something where there's an actual mechanic. Like it's not just Okay, every every token is a membership token. We'll see what happens. Let's does that does that make sense? To, I don't know. Doctor Slurp, did you want to talk about your project or Kenny or uh, did you want to talk about studio stuff? I, I know you were thinking about doing like one time use tokens. You mentioned someone in in studio who's thinking about revenue gen NFTs. Connor, who is here as alien to me, oh yeah, yeah. is uh, you know we've been you know figuring out how to. There's like different levels of utility that we've been considering around the nfts associated with with his project so there's definitely like the the high level one that is about personal connection meeting with manage like you know if you want to get into the industry then there's like a, a way to do something there but i just think like the the utility i think like the utility of fun seems to me to like be something that has actually worked relatively well right in the in the space like whether it's the whether it's the wolf game or just like people people want to have some real outcome and opportunity to like use the nfts in a way i think so there is one sort of tier of nfts that uh we've been talking about and i don't know connor if you want to talk about this it, it might be interesting just to get really concrete about it which is the part of the Part of the world of Alien to me is this multi-level marketing gone way, way out of control and awry. And so without knowing what the real answer is, I think we've had some instincts that like, is there a game that kind of just takes some of the mechanisms from multi-level marketing and makes them fun and bizarre to participate in? So I I hear Connor, I'll, I'll shut up for a second, but... You want to maybe talk about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the kind of goal is like to make essentially not only the utility being that you get access to the show and that you are helping to create the show and that you're getting access to me uh, to help create the show with me, but like to gamify the experience of the show and the like plot of the show. Um, and like, so with this multi-level marketing storyline, you know, like, uh, a funding cycle, NFT funding cycle we have imagined is like, you buy products, these multi-level marketing alien cosmetic products, and then you apply those to alien characters from the show and they do different things to those characters. And then those characters show up in the show with whatever you've done to them, uh, like, happening to them in the show. Um, and like, we want to take that further even into like actually creating both web games and potentially like VR games that where your NFT decision-making or whatever NFTs you purchase gives you certain amounts of power in these, in these games. But fundamentally here, like, you know, Nicholas, I think like 
this is like entertainment we're talking about here. So the utility is always just going to be like entertainment value. Um, and like, whether that's like in game form, in TV show form, in like, you know, talking to me and meeting people, like it's all entertainment uh, for, at least for Studio Dow, it feels like that's like, you know, you're coming to the wrong place if you want like, um, you know, some other type of utility, like someone to come like fix your roof or something. Like, <laughs> you know, no, entertainment like, is utility. I, I agree with Ken also that like, uh, you don't need to sell a good or service directly. Like a lot of what people enjoy about the speculative game is not just the ability to get rich, but the game of it, the collective Twitter fanfic universe. Um, so I, I don't think it, and I don't think you need to put ads in the show or anything like so literal, but I would focus on selling the part that is fun and not burdensome for you. So like getting to tag you whenever they want in discord while you have a TV show to make or whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's, you know, focus on the part that's fun, fun would be my intuition and not the part that like slows down the production so that you're now a community manager most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like a, an equilibrium point to hit between access to me and, and like, you know, my producer and stuff. And like, also just like, well, we can't, we can't fucking be here all the time. We've got to like make, make the show. And like, I think I definitely echo what you were saying earlier that like, um, you know, like not like nothing about it should feel like it should all feel fun. There should be nothing bureaucratic about any of the process, you know, like, like, that's like a job like people have jobs you know like why would you want like to come have another job to like manage a tv show or like be a show like that's not what you're here for you're here to like have fun and like insofar as it uh ever becomes uh more bureaucratic i think then we're like heading in the wrong direction or like people aren't having fun then like you know we know to change there but um yeah i mean it's tough it's tough to like figure out because the other thing is like you know, we've been going back and forth on, we need like continued support in some sense, right? And like how, or, you know, we have like, let's say we need to raise like X amount of dollars to make a first season of the show, right? It's like, do you spread out that X amount of dollars to try to raise that over the course of like six months? So that like every month, you know, people are buying NFTs to support two new episodes being made? Or do you just try to make all that money up front and, you know, go for like broke right out of the gates with some massive NFT launch and try to fund the whole season. Like, so, you know, like this idea of like membership of having people just like one time uh, click a button that like they can contribute to the show every month so that we don't have to like keep winning back customers um, over and over again to like keep making episodes. Um, that's also been like a struggle to to figure out like what the best strategy is there and you know i mean right now we've landed on like each month is like a new game basically a new nft game every month um that like integrates into the show's storyline um and so like you know the first month is like it's it's not really gamified it's just like getting off the ground but then month two is like this multi-level marketing scheme game and then you know like month three and month four we're talking we're, we're brainstorming on but uh you know, that's like, that's the, that's the model we have right now. Tell like, me, tell me more about the month two, like the multi-level marketing. What's the participation mechanic for members? Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically you, you're going to buy these cosmetic products and like based off of which ones you buy, 
Um, and like, you know, like uh, if you have like also like a, a base NFT from month one, you can, uh, you know, like we still have to figure out the, the technical details on all this, but um, you can like combine those NFTs by like burning them and then we'll like send you a new NFT that is uh, like a new piece of artwork that combines the two previous NFTs that you had already purchased. Um, and then, you know, like uh, we're still figuring out how that's going to integrate and all that. But um, that's, that's like the basic idea is like combining NFTs to create new ones that are like more unique and more rare and, and kind of continuing that process as far as we can go with it. Uh, you know, like as many levels deep as we can get um, to create more and more like rare, unique things. And then like based off of how many people do that, you know, those things will end up in the show or they won't. Interesting. I'm wondering if there's a way to directly get people doing the work of multi-level marketing, like, haha, it's multi-level marketing. <laughs> right. I mean, we've, I, I don't think we want to become an actual multi-level marketing scheme, but uh, that's like the tongue in cheek joke of the whole thing, right? Is that like NFTs are, you know, like crypto is multi-level marketing. Um, and so like, we're going to lean into that. Is there, is there a fictional mechanism for the MLM in the universe that you could yeah, do yeah. a toy so, version of or something? Basically, the main character, you know, is like becomes a representative for the intergalactic multi-level marketing company. And then he, his, he has to go sell these products in, in the show. Uh, that's like sort of like a, a continuing storyline throughout the first season. What if the people who purchase the token are the Imagineer department of the MLM design studio and get to submit and vote on what the MLM products should be or something like, like, I think actually I talked to, it was Goldie, Gold, you know, Goldie, right? Your, your friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Goldie mentioned your project a couple of years or a year or so ago. And I thought a good mechanism would be to have audience participation in like developing the characters for future episodes or something like do an auction for an NFT that is, you know, the next character and then mm -hmm. have some interaction about with the person who buys it about what the character is. But I think it's too much in this. You could just do giving people who participate, like give them the cool role in the, in the MLM or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think something we definitely talked about and we're talking about with Goldie way back when was like, and we're still talking about is, is the ability to like make yourself into an alien to me character. So like, you know, at a certain level of NFT buy-in, like you, you can submit, and this is slightly different from what you're talking about, but you can submit like an image. It doesn't have to be an image of you, but an image of anything or anybody. And like, we'll make that into uh, an alien to me character design. And then like that character can potentially end up in the show. Um, but I, I mean, I also, you know, take what you were saying about like having sort of a voting mechanism on like, a few different characters that are already kind of there and like whoever, whichever one sells, sells more is the one that ends up in the next episode. I mean, stuff like that is like, well, hold on. So let's, let's zoom out for a second. Who is going to buy these NFTs? Are they people who watch the show religiously? Are they people who are crypto people? You know, that's a great question. I mean, you know, there's, I think it's, it's post, probably going to be crypto people at the beginning. Um, Obviously, we want to expand to like, you know, the thousands of people that have already seen the, the prologue episodes online um, and kind of push them into the market. Um, I don't know how well that conversion is going to work uh, early on, but the goal is to just make it so 
exciting and so interesting and so much fun to interact on that side of things that like, even if you weren't somebody who was like super interested in crypto before, like you just gotta be a part of, of this fun project of creating this universe. And so you're gonna like, you know, set up a wallet and get involved. Um, even if it's at like a low level. So, you know, I think at the, at the beginning it's going to be people who are, are crypto people, but the goal is definitely to expand to, you know, the people just who are fans of the show and just want to help uh, make it cool. Now, hold on. So you get approximately like a thousand to 8,000 views per video on, on, on YouTube? Uh, yeah, on YouTube right now. It's, it's something like that. But, and then you did a TikTok recently that was like a hit, right? Your first TikTok was a hit? Yeah, it was like 250,000 views, um, which was the first prologue episode, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say it in the harshest way first, and then we can go nicer, but stop doing it. Why are you still doing YouTube? Why don't you just do TikTok? You're so much more popular there. Uh, but okay. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm on TikTok a lot more these days. I mean, fundamentally, I think there's no way to monetize TikTok, um, like, directly. Um, but also, I think, like, people on TikTok are like much harder to retain. So like I have like 10,000, like that, just from that first few videos on TikTok, right? Like, you know, there's 10,000 followers on, on the TikTok channel now. And like, you know, I have like a hundred Twitter followers on here, but it's like, but do they watch the videos? What's the views like on TikTok? Yeah. So that's the thing is on TikTok, your follower count doesn't matter very much because TikTok is primarily like a, an algorithm that's like a for you page. It incorporates people you follow into that for you page, but you have to actually like slide over to your accounts that you're following. So like you might have 10,000. So why did, why did people watch the first TikTok? It wasn't because they were following you. Why was it? It's because of the algorithm. I mean, it's just like. It's got to be something in the video. There's a lot of other videos the algorithm didn't pick. Oh, it's funny. It's good. I mean, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a good video. But there's something about that one that clicked with the yeah no i mean people like that one yeah and so i i mean frankly i'll just okay it, it, it out of eight thousand viewers on youtube probably very few have eth they're willing to part with probably very few have eth probably very few have wallets and probably and a tiny tiny fraction have eth they're willing to part with so selling to the audience of people who are already following on youtube gonna be tough a tough road um you, you tell me you have two hundred fifty thousand views on a tiktok I, that's a much bigger audience, even if it's the same percentage, that's a lot more people who are potentially buying the exact same product. Okay, it's hard to repeat the views on, on TikTok, but it's something clicked with the way you edited that video and the content, obviously, but something about the having to reduce it to a shorter, I assume it was shorter than t the, the YouTubes? Uh, yeah, I mean, so TikTok has a, a 10 minute, it, that video was not shorter, that video was just oh, as really? long as it Oh, that's very interesting, I didn't expect a 10 that. Minute, uh, 10 minute time thing, but the thing is, you know, like, we, our episodes are supposed to be like around 10 minutes, like once we get the full season going, but you're right. I mean, my focus has been on doing more TikTok and the, the YouTube channel has been dead for a year now just cause there's, there's nothing to put up there. And, you know, so I've been making like more short form stuff for TikTok, but I still think, you know, the, the percentage of people, it, it's going to be tough no matter where. But I don't see any, any reason why you would think the percentage would be greater. Oh, I guess because your followers are more consistently, you're getting like a thousand plus views consistently on YouTube from the 2.3K subscribers versus on TikTok, you have uh, four times as many subscribers, but you, they don't see the videos. So maybe they're harder to monetize. I still think having, um, what is that? Like 40X, what, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, size audience is actually it's like two, on that one video, it's like 250X, the average video on YouTube. So that's, I mean, fundamentally, it's not hard to do both, right? Like you make the same content and you put it 
you put it in both places, try to get as big of an audience as, as possible. I mean, that's the goal is to grow the audience with m- more and more much better videos and episodes. And so we're going to put it in, in every place we can get it on. That's going to be Twitter. That's going to be YouTube. Cool. That's going to okay. be TikTok. But just for, for in terms of, in terms of monetizing the audience, it seems like right now, I mean, I, I say the same thing to every project, which is if your audience is not primarily MetaMask having ETH people who are whale enough to ball out on some random fundraiser that, uh, that they somewhat are aware of through already knowing the videos, it's just very hard. So you're maybe selling to crypto people rather than to your actual audience there's probably a tiny sliver that's overlap. The show could evolve to be more overlap. You could have more crypto economics in the MLM and try and drive views on TikTok in the crypto trader economy and NFT degen economy to try and bring them into your universe and then have a larger portion of your total viewership be people who have ether willing to part with. Uh Or you can, but either way, we must be very shrewd about who we are actually selling to. Like we can't just wave our hands at like, someone's gonna buy it probably. Like even people with huge audiences might not be able to move NFTs if none of their audience has Ethereum. So that's just obvious. Like, but I, I would say focus on the fun part, not on the community. You know, bugging bugging you all the time, and um, and and make, fi- try and find what a viewer actually wants to buy to influence the show if that's the direction you're going, um, and cut away everything else because it's a distraction to you and the, and the the sales pitch for the NFT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be once we get launched here with Studio Dow. I think that we'll definitely be exploring a few different things to try to figure out what what's hitting the best, and and we're definitely going to try to grow the the audience into the crypto space more. The goal is not to make it a crypto show because we do want it to have broad appeal too, right? You don't want it to be something that's just like, you're only going to get this if you've got, you know, like five ETH in your MetaMask right now. Like you're not going to get the jokes if you don't have that. Like that's kind of, that's not great. So we're trying to do something that I think is appealing to everyone, but definitely trying to loop in more of the crypto community just because we know that those are the people who are going to have a wallet in the first place. Totally. If it was 2021, you could maybe get people to, I don't know, the myth of broad-based marketing from origin from crypto. But the truth is like there's there's less than 100,000 people trading NFTs on Ethereum right now. They're, anyway, if, if you're going to try and monetize those people, sell something that monetizes them and don't worry about hypothetically monetizing people who are not ready to pay or not, are literally not capable, would have to get MetaMask, get Coinbase. It's not, it's not going to happen. Like don't vaguely bank on those people eventually converting. It's so far away. What you're selling has to be so exciting to them that it's got to be like 10 times more exciting than the the Patreon, an equivalent Patreon, given how Mm -hmm. much friction there is between them and doing it. So I really, it's it's a hard pill, but I really suggest focusing on what you're trying to sell as an NFT, trying to sell it to people who have Ethereum or whatever token on whatever chain you want. Okay, I want to jump to somebody else, Uh, Pitmaxi what uh what's up what's your project hey what's up Th- this is my alt by the way if you couldn't tell i was just exploring around nft twitter that's not like my normal echo chamber but you know i saw the name tokenomics and then you guys were talking about rev sharing and i had to stick my hand up um i guess i'll pitch you on like the the structure that i'm working on right now and so like basically um, part of the reason I got so fed up with NFTs is because everybody thought when they bought an NFT, specifically a profile picture, that they were somehow like buying ownership in the company. So I decided to create like this thing called a yield coupon. 
And it's supposed to, you know, kind of mirror common stock, you know, without the SEC, like looking at us and being like, yo, what are you doing? But um, that, you know, you don't have to stake it or anything. So it works exactly like a share of a company. You know, as soon as you send it to a different wallet, uh, the tokens, you know, that are kind of like dividends uh, automatically get, you know, farmed and you can collect them whenever you want. Those tokens then you can uh, you can put them on the open market and sell them to people that want to buy like the actual PFP, the art that are trying to build a digital a digital identity. So there's a thousand of those coupons, and you know then then I'm building out the PFP side of the business. But you know what I'm really going for is trying to get like that initial thousand. I guess you can call them investors, and you know they'll kind of be in a little bit of like the board. The, they're just like the common stockholders that they their incentive is for the brand to grow. And as more demand comes into the brand, they could sell their tokens for more. Yeah, I think I think the hard part you'll find is marketing a collection such that it de- generates the demand that people want to have control over it. It's, it's not a great time <laughs> for it in the market. It is still possible, but it's much harder than it was last year. So a lot of projects that succeeded last year would not have succeeded, would not succeed right now. So I guess the hard part is you know, I mean, this is kind of, I, I didn't totally, totally follow, but it's like in the neighborhood of why people buy artifact NFTs or uh, board apes or, or those things. So the question is like, why this collection um, and the promise of being able to govern something that currently has no value is not enough to create the spark that, so you need something to create the spark to get people excited. Um, so I, I guess the, that would probably be the, the hard part. Does that make sense? I guess, yeah, like I can't just have that part of it and expect it to sell out. So the other part of it is is giving people like every profile picture project, uh, they completely uh, I don't know if you've ever read Contagious, but, you know, after no. reading that book. Oh, OK, but all right. So the, one of the, the key takeaways from that book, he's uh, the professor at Wharton for marketing. And the biggest, one of the biggest principles is that 80% of marketing is done through word of mouth. Like all of the marketing efforts that every uh, major company does at the end of the day, it's still word of mouth. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole why it works like that, but just believe me, that's how it works. So the biggest thing on NFT Twitter, the biggest asset you could have as a brand is someone actually wearing the profile picture, the NFT as their avatar, because that's like, you know, on my main account, I, in the past two weeks, I got over 5 million impressions, like 5 million different people saw my profile picture. Like that's a lot of people. And, you know, multiply that by 10,000 people, you know, there's some significant reach that's going on there. And, you know, eventually there'll be a small percentage of people. I mean, email only converts 2%. I, I can only imagine what what the conversion is on people that see a profile picture and are like, oh, I want to make that my profile picture. You should do you should do an advertising profile picture where it's everyone's profile picture is controlled by the DAO. I don't know, like Floor DAO, where you have to buy the tokens to change what the metadata is of the image, and everybody sets that that image as their profile picture. Although I think in reality, people just do it by copy pasting the JPEG mostly, uh, because people don't use Twitter Blue or whatever. But in any case, uh, it updates with the what the DAO decides. I, it, it, I think it's very hard to launch. You need some reason that people people have done this different ways. They've sold it as a cultural club for a certain kind of social class. Uh, they've sold it as um, humor humor from a particular Twitter account that people know. But you need some hook that will like actually get people to give a shit because uh, obviously there's like thousands of NFT collections and hundreds of new ones every day. So why this one? You know? 
the only part I'm missing is like, I guess what you would were referring to is like uh, a reason to rock it. Like, sure, the art could be good, but if there's no community, nobody wants to participate. But like with this collection, I made it so that all of the traits that you buy, you buy them before you compile the, the PFP. So you, you actually get to choose what your PFP looks like instead of like, uh, you know, 500 assets or layers randomly getting compiled and then just saying like, oh, spit out 10,000 or 15,000 of these things. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to get like a nurse cap with a with an army vest. Yeah, there have been collections. I, I, the one I always think of is not a particularly famous one, but Nifty Dudes. But uh, there have been lots of collections where you get to customize what gets minted. There's a max total supply. And then so pe- the, the collectors decide what they're getting. Uh, there's lots of collections that do mechanics like that. But again, it's like I, what I think technical features can be a value if the um, dream that you're selling is about uh, technical philosophy or technical innovation to an audience that cares about those things, like the on-chain NFT community if you have some cool on-chain mechanic, maybe you can sell out selling to people who are interested in on-chain mechanics, which is a very small uh, subgenre within the larger NFT community. Uh, others have been selling like, you know, uh, the classic one was we're going to build a metaverse. Um, uh, you know, there's lots of different ones, but you need some hook that is narr- a narrative hook. If, if you're in this playbook of um, NFTs, like NFT PFP style collections, you need some reason why people can uh, idealize it as a speculative object. Although frankly, I think, maybe not the best time to to launch one of those so do you think i should i should double down on the narrative being like the 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 governance of you know i guess it's not it's, i i don't know if i would say it's a loophole but you know being able to receive a form of dividend that's not actually a dividend yeah that's cool that's cool that kind of reminds me of redemption in juicebox um yeah, I think the problem is just there is no dividend because there is no demand. So the demand is dependent on the, the interest of the token is dependent on there already being demand, which is what the interest is trying to sell you. So it's hard. It's a little, it needs some, you need Christina Aguilera to do a TV ad about it or something. You need some, some you need to kick it off. Some There needs to be some um, reason why people can believe in it uh, to kickstart your cycle. Yeah, at least that's my take. And does anyone have a different take? I, di- I just think so many of those mechanisms are driven by wash trading and people taking the dividends, people buying a lot of tokens, and then just like pumping it up. Like the, I think the trust in you know for for people who've been burned by that stuff is is gone, and that it's like it's, I think it's just really hard to imagine where. Like the, the the promise that you're actually gonna make your money back is or 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 that you're actually gonna yeah. that is is tough and is in at actually cross purposes with just delivering joy or fun or something that's that's interesting to participate in. So, you know, I mean I think I really think it's like there need it's uh, the I guess the question is like if you're generating a lot more tokens it should generate more membership in the community and it should try to make that community more more interesting to be a part of rather than just you know you buy in early and then you want the community to grow so that you have exit liquidity on your on whatever you've bought into i just think like those those schemes in a in a market where there aren't people coming into the environment are are going to be tough. And like, I, you know, I don't know if anyone followed like Numo's drop last week with like the, the pad that he did 
But like at the last minute, someone came in and like people came in and minted like thousands in like the last hour of the mint and then ran it up on OpenSea. But I mean, it's, it's obvious what happened in terms of, you know, it's a super cheap mint. It was like 0.005 and all of a sudden it's like 0.1 with like 50 ETH of volume. But like, where did that come from? Like, how, like how did that really happen? People are just wash trading to pump it up onto the charts. And then I think like the, the free meta is also difficult, right? Like we experienced this at the launch of Studio DAO that when, when we had to go back and do a mint for zero in order to like, there was a moment when the UX was a little broken and some people contributed and didn't get the NFTs, but they could come at, back and get the NFT with a zero transaction. When we did that zero transaction, it fired off the bots and all of a sudden there were like 30 zero transactions coming into the, into the box, in, into that terminal. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, like, I'm, I'm not convinced that any sort of like complicated schemes with later on yields and stuff like that are really going to work in terms of beyond, beyond just like the most hardcore degens. And that's, you know, that's just honestly not what I'm here for. It's like, I want to see this go broader and I want to see it get easier. And I think trying to just sell to people who already have ETH is like, I think we need to make it easier for people to come in. And it's like, you're joining a club. It's a great club. This is what we do here. And it can be cheap and fun. It doesn't need to be super heavy, but I think it needs to get a lot easier for us to really grow it significantly. Yeah, I, I agree a lot. And I'm, 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 I'm way more of a fan of, of like, of patience and uh, strategies that pierce through whatever the hell market we're in. Uh, just like care for the people who are who are there and who, who are who are around you, who you, you feel like you can welcome into the space safely. Um, and I think like yeah, there's this obsession with we need to go and like make things pop off overnight or pop off within the month instead of like just care care for the five people who are here and like turn that into 15 in a, in a year, that'll be 50 in two years, it might be 500 in three years, it might be 10,000 in four years, it might be a hundred thousand, like a, like a, a movement. Right. But like, like if, if you actually give a damn about what you're doing and you think it's important and you're and it's a longer term thing, you're patient about it. It's, it's like that energy is contagious. And like think that the tools and, and all that stuff, Will will resolve itself along the way, and we need to put pressure on on resolving uh, those access points, as Kenny said. But I just like I'm I'm a I'm a little bit more of a, a proponent of, of like the patient passion. I think one thing, and listening to everybody speak, I think one thing about the utility and community aspect of things that is interesting with Defifa is the short timeline that is is there so that you can see what's happening within that quote-unquote collection or that experiment and move on or change it immediately after and so there's not like this really long timeline of you know waiting and and waiting to see what's happening or what's coming around the corner it worked or it didn't some things went well some things didn't and you can change it for the next experiment or the next game and i think when you are creating something around an existing community that a lot of people already care about, they're, will, they're going to be willing to dive into any 
sort of thing, whether it's an NFT or any other sort of uh, thing that you can purchase because they're so passionate about that community in general. And to answer the question, Nicholas, about like, what's the upside, you know, kind of having this like written (laughs) back and forth, you know, the, what I had stated was that the ultimate utility is equity in a project. Um, And the upside is, I mean, obviously it's gotta be uh, financial. I mean, like financial in the sense that if I supported this project early on or this product early on, that the person who's created that project is creating an opportunity for the evangelists of that product to benefit. Um, And you, you hear about this with platforms like Instagram um, where the people who, or, and even Twitter, you know, the people who were on it the most, the people who created the community, the people who really, you know, launched it, got nothing out of it. You know, they didn't get any sort of upside besides the ability to communicate amongst themselves and share their lives. Um, And I think when you're talking about NFT utility or any utility for that matter, coming out of crypto, I think one of the things that's going to attract the most people um, is the ability to first put out a product and say, Hey, this product is cool. I have a few users. You get to benefit from this blowing up and evangelizing it just like I will. Right. But the, the, the product itself cannot be that access because it, you still need to be selling something for profit that is not an e- creating an equal amount of equity. Otherwise, all that you're selling is equity and the only funds that are there are the equity or, or generated by equity. So you can, you can de- decline what percentage, but it's like you need to have something that is of utility th- th- there. Otherwise, I agree. You have to have a product you have to have a product that people want to use. I mean, so like, it's, it's kind of like sometimes people do this backwards. They create the NFT with the promise of something coming later. And I understand that you need money and startup capital to be able to do these things, a lot of these things. But I think the projects that are successful are the ones who come out with something first, even if it's a, you know, a really clunky version and they're getting a few people to really enjoy using it and then building a, a form of capital off of that. You know, when you, when people were talking about Moondow um, earlier, you know, I agree that the bull market had a lot to do with the success, but I think, you know, and you were obviously there with Django. And I think another thing that was really important was that they, the founders, had a very clear sense of what didn't work with their previous pro- project, the things that they really wanted to go against or go away from in the previous project. And they had a community of people that had the same viewpoint as them. And so when they were able to, you know, work out sort of the mechanics and what they're going to do, that community was already behind them and they were able to accelerate at a really fast you know, pace. Um, but you know, you could go back to the very first two or three Twitter spaces that they had where it was like three or four of us in there and the ticket to space wasn't even an idea. You know, it wasn't something that was really in the roadmap. It was literally going to the moon. And, you know, I think as the community built 
and got on board, they sort of pivoted into a thing that was achievable because if they didn't have something that they actually achieved, it never would have worked. You know, they had to have a milestone that they hit that was realistic. I agree. I think one of the great insights of Constitution Dow that Moondow learned from uh, one of the things that it did keep consistent was having a very specific mission, uh, whether that evolved over time or whatever. But Moondow certainly succeeded at conveying that they had a very specific mission. And I think that was great for a large charitable fundraise. Frankly, I don't think it would work in the current market. I think what you have to, what you were delivering would have to be somehow more tangible to people right now because they're not willing to just, because not everything is going up. Because at the time you could purchase Mooney and Although nobody should have expected it, some people undoubtedly thought, oh, there's going to be a token with a limited issuance. I, I, I take note of that fact uh, in advance. This market is not one in which that would be a relevant thought um, for, for, for almost all the cases. So I, 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 but I agree with you that there's, but I just, I, I just don't think we need to focus on that, frankly, because I think everybody's already doing that. Everybody's already telling themselves, people are just going to join me in my mission because I'm so great. And I want to find ways to help those people actually generate revenues, which would be the other half of that thing. Agreed, shared equity in some project. But again, we're talking about on some level, fundamentally changing the relate, like de decoupling governance in the project or membership participants in the pro participation in the project and where the revenues are coming from. In your example, you need to have a product that is also generating revenues. JB Dow, for instance, does this by charging a 2.5% fee on the whole protocol. So JBDAO can have this governance token that has a slightly decoupled relationship from the revenue generation because it has a whole protocol that's giving it fees. And projects on the protocol don't have that advantage. So we need to be very, I, I really want to stick to like, we need to develop things that people want to buy. I'm open to whatever that is, but they have to actually want to buy them. And being a part of the community, that's covered. People are already doing that all over the place. We don't need to, we don't need to stand that. Everyone does that, but it's the default. If you, if you build a project that you're, you're asking people to support you to become a member, people are going to do that anyway. Uh, Dr. Slurp, you've been waiting for forever. What's, what's your project and what's your, uh, what would you like to talk about? Hey, thanks for having me. So my project is a, it's a drum machine that's fully on chain. Over the weekend, we put P5JS and P5 sound on chain. So you can basically um, store the code for whatever you want in P5 and P5 sound fully on chain pretty cheaply at this point. Like you're just paying for the size of the program, which is very nice. So over the past month or so, I've been building these drum machines using this technology. Um, and I'm getting to the point where I want to start putting them out there. Um, so the idea is that like when you mint one of these NFTs, you're minting um, a specific like kind of bespoke drum machine and you're able to store the uh, like the beat that you save on the drum machine fully on chain. So like when you mint it, it'll have a song that I wrote that's on the drum machine. But if you buy it, like you can, like you can use it. It's like its own on-chain instrument. You could save your beat. And then, then once you do that, like your beat is on chain and you could even mint copies of it for people to like own if you wanted to, like as the owner. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like a play on like what a music NFT is. Like instead of you're just buying a song that's stored on IPFS, like you are buying an instrument that anybody can play. Like it's just a website, you know, or it's just the pain and open sea. Like it's a fully interactive drum machine that anybody can play, but only the owner can like save the beat and like um, kind of like immortalize that on chain. And you, you could always rewrite it, you know, like I'm not like saying like it's written in stone. Like let's say, Someone new buys it, they could rewrite whatever the beat is for that specific drum machine. 
So the thing that I'm kind of like oscillating between is how to release them. Like, should I make them one-offs and each drum machine is unique and I kind of like auction it, you know, and like people are paying for the privilege to like write the song for this specific drum machine that I like built by hand um, for this drop or maybe doing some small drops of between like 10 and 100 drum machines that are all relatively similar. Um, kind of like in a generative fashion or what, or just have it be an open edition. And whenever anybody like wants access to a save slot, they can mint one. Like I'm kind of leaning towards the one at a time or a few at a time and seeing what happens with the demand. But I would just want to hear your um, ideas. Is the um, functionality of the NFT in play or are, is that locked down? It's not locked down. So at, cur- at present, what people are buying is the opportunity to be the one person who can set the track. This has been done before, so it's not getting brownie points for being the first. Not, not that I think those generally matter, yeah. matter very much. But it is on chain. Like all the sound synthesis is being, oh, right. like okay. it's programmed on chain and it's being synthesized in your browser. So it's like an on chain system for that. The issue for me is I don't know why I want to own one. Like I can think it's cool. Like a lot of the on-chain projects have this problem where there's a very, very, very small community of people who give a shit about on-chain anything and they all buy each other's projects, but they buy like one of each and everybody sells 75 NFTs and it's fine, but it doesn't justify the amount of work that put into it was put into it. And it doesn't achieve the meme status that gets the idea of on-chain art into more people's minds and hands. Um, so I think there is reason to try to juice the tokenomics to make something more like there have been very sophisticated. I was just pulled up zero art and I was looking at like, okay, BC that project or like watch faces world, or I don't know, all of these projects, they're extremely sophisticated projects, but very, very few of them are successful. Um, one that comes to mind, uh, bag holder alert is terraforms, but terraforms isn't just selling you the functionality in the tech demo. They're selling you a whole philosophy around blockchain art or something, right? Like it's a whole vibe. Not that that's the only vibe that you can sell, but my question is, is the opportunity to own my own one of these things, how many people is that uh, appealing to? And is there something, is there a variation on that that is more appealing or could in some other way achieve a breakout hit rather than a hit amongst the, the small community of people who are, who are in, enthusiasts in the kind of artisanal practice of on-chain art, which is totally legitimate. And if you don't want to sell thousands, then that's, if, if you're happy selling 50, that's fine. Um, but if you want to sell more, what could be like, there's something missing around why I need to mint it. Like a lot of the music NFTs that dropped that had this, whether it wasn't all on-chain, but where the metadata was mutable only by the token holder. Part of the idea was like, maybe this beat will be something you want to own or maybe Snowfro did one and that one's worth something or um there's also like a, a couple trends emerged like some were more focused on i forget what the audio workstation one was uh but that, it came out at the same time as beat foundry beat foundry was more going with a path of like partnering with specific artists to drop collections associated with that artist so there was more framing around the specific choices rather than just a musical instrument that you can purchase as an nft so i wonder i don't have any immediate super strong ideas but I wonder if there's something that you can do to make it make the the token that make the purchase more make more sense. Like why why now? Why this? Why me? Uh, why should I buy it? Um, and I don't know if saving I don't know if saving beats is like is the idea that the beats go and can be reused in songs afterwards. They have some cultural impact, or it's really just like 
uh, you know, I made a P5 instrument and you can mint, you can control it. I, I wonder if we, I don't know if any ideas come to you in talking about it. There's a few ideas. Like I totally hear the feedback that it's very niche and that like the on-chain community is what it is. And they're like really just buying into a specific philosophy of what they think is important and where they think their data should be and all that stuff. And I've definitely drunk that Kool-Aid and like, I'm like, this is so cool that like, the music is there forever. Like as long as you're able to render P5 stuff, like you're, you'll be able to enjoy this music and this content. Like it's going to outlast me as long as Ethereum outlasts me. So that's part of it. But in terms of like actually something that like normal people would care about, like partnering with a musician and making an instrument specifically for that musician and having them create the beat instead of just me creating the beat. You know, I think people would want to do that or would want to buy in to something like, let's say, Kenny Beats made the beat for this one. And I made a like a drum machine for him based off of like the stuff he likes to use. Like, I feel like a lot of people might want to buy that. Totally. Or I think even maybe constrained further, like a Kenny Beats drop, Kenny has made 10 beats and you get they're all for sale. And you can also buy a blank slate and remix using the same beat palette that he had. You can make your own beats and let's see what happens. I think one problem with this is that I'm not totally convinced, if I'm honest, that people want to like click and scroll through NFT beats. Um, they want good beats. They don't, I don't know how much they care that they're on chain or NFT. So partnering with an artist can help. But even then, like what matters is that they be incorporated into songs that people like or that they feel like useful fodder for making songs, I guess. I, I'm not sure exactly, yeah. but, but it's like, okay, but where, why do I, so let's say there's a hundred of them and 10 of them are Kenny beats and those are for sale, uh, at, let's say on auction or whatever Dutch auction or something. Um, and then there's 90 available for like a flat rate. That's really cheap. So you can make your own, but like, do I want Like, why do I, I guess it's cool. I think it would, that's hotter than just, Hey, here's a thousand NFTs. They're all whatever you can do blank slate, go for it. At least give preload it with some meaning, something you can associate to. So I think for me, like the meaning and the appeal for it comes from like, I'm trying to think about like web three or blockchain as a venue and trying to make a project where it's like music for that venue or an instrument for that venue. And like, what does it actually sound like? And what is the aesthetic of that? And this is trying to answer that question. And I don't know if anybody else is trying to answer or even questioning that, like what is music here, like in this place? So that's like one of the things I'm trying to play with. It's an interesting question because I feel like there's not a lot of music, like it's just scrolling Twitter or whatever. There Occasionally there's thing, videos or events with music, but it's not a very programmed audio soundtrack. Yeah, and like the sounds that I'm making like are informed by like, what is this medium? It's like, what sound libraries can we affordably put on Ethereum to actually explore this? So I think like that narrative might be a thing to like, hone in on more to like get people to think about like, Oh, this is what it is. Like, this is the club. This is, this would be the music of the web three club. I think it's also interesting to consider if the goal is mints or if the goal is now a tool in your toolbox as a creative, uh, as a creative artist or as an, a programmer to build with it. The next thing. Um, and as long as, as long as like the people aren't putting pressure uh, on, on, on you to kind of like continue attending to the foundation. It's, it's nice just to create these components that have the composability traits of on-chain, that have all this, this uh, well, 
what I think is very useful, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term. I, I only care about the long term. Uh, and, and, and like, and, and very much just like use your, your creation as a tool to kind of allow you to create more things. And that is the best form of marketing in a way. It's just creating on top of, of, of previous building blocks. Um, but I, yeah, I, like there's, there's certainly a, a P, an, an appeal. And even if it's the audience is small at first, I think like the, the, the persistence, the patience, the, the the belief in the thing that you're building as it, it, as it allows you to continue building better things is incredibly valuable. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for that. Sure. Sure. But he's, sure. But he's got to pay rent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here. So here's the. I think instruments are really interesting because they're uh, they're a way for communication to occur, right? So I think all different kinds of instrumentation. Are, are sort of, I think, valid services for exploring this. Like, I would love to see something where we took, like, what, what if we put this up on Twitch during a forming and that basically people could mint the beats that got played as, like, an under, you know, get, get Darby Trash or someone to do something on top of it and just make it, like, something that the community can participate in. If someone makes something that's great, the community loves it, the community can like buy another loof bubbit and that like funds some treasury. So it's like, use it as an yeah. between between the audience and, uh, and the chain. Yeah, that would be really fun to make them for different formings, like have a beat for each forming or have that be one of the contributor for the forming tickets be. <laughs> yeah, or just like, just start with like one, let's like start with like one thing. It's like an interstitial thing or something that, you know, the like, yeah, I think that there's, I think there's room for people to participate and to do something. I mean, I think, but it would also be something where I think you would want it to be an input that whoever was controlling that feed could go to, but didn't have to, right? So if it's good and it's interesting, then it gets put up. There's still like, there's still a person yeah, or maybe even like pre-record it for forming. Like they usually do that. Like we, ah. my fi did the video for that one time. It was really fun. But it'd be yeah. cool to like do it where like the visuals actually are how the visuals of the drum machine are, and like glitch, like run that through the analog glitch process to mm-hmm. like have have a set, and even like have Darby Trash put a rap on the set or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 sick. I think there's so much to do building on each other's momentum like this and then Kenny it's a huge point to bring up like cross collaboration and strategy across projects to kind of fill each other's voids and and, and double down on opportunities I think with forming I, I also think it's like the 30 minutes before forming it's like alright I'm already thinking about forming I'm already like organized around a screen and, and like dope speakers someone should just create the pregame and that can really be whatever medium or 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 like that, that, that the thesis says people are going to care about and then it'll be one person at first it'll be three people and then five and then t- it takes time even forming took like a year for us to get to like 30 people showing up to shows um, but that's okay it's it's still making progress it's still inspiring every marginal new person who comes through and I think that's yeah. like very important yeah it's so fun and it's just awesome that you guys are focusing on like paying the artists like you, you never see that <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I agree. And it's great to bring up the like long-term perspective. However, I do think that if projects want to survive a year, they need a revenue stream. And Lexicon Devils yeah. is lucky enough to have an enormous grant from Juicebox DAO, uh, which they totally deserve, but not every project is able to do that. So we need to establish sales mechanisms that are not based primarily in hopium, but instead yeah. generating revenue so you can pay your goddamn rent. And I'm very, yeah. like, very hardcore on this because <laughs> if we just allow ourselves to drift into like soft reasoning about how it's so virtuous, how we're trying things regardless of whether they work and with tiny audiences, it will not scale because other projects can, we don't have enough money to just give everyone money to do their art project that nobody wants to buy unless what their goal is, is to make an art project and not be so concerned about the sales numbers, which is a totally legitimate thing to do, but just know that, you know, so I think the pregame idea is a great idea and there's an audience there that's captive. I, I, and I do agree that that audience will grow over time. Um, overall, I'm, yeah. I'm, it's, it's still a very small audience. I mean, even CryptoVoxels for all its accessibility for being available on an HTTP, uh, you know, on a URL, it doesn't open on my iPhone 13. It doesn't open on my iPad Pro. Um, it only opens on my computer, it, at, <laughs> least, at least in that space. So it's like really uh, small audience, small audience. Let's, I, I, anyway, w w again, <laughs> let's try and come up with dangerous mechanics that will actually like sell. I agree. You don't have to do hype. But what I'm interested in is NFT tokenomics that do not depend on small communities growing slowly. That, that model exists. Any kind of token will work for that because it's a community of enthusiasts. So I think, yeah, bringing some cultural element. I mean, frankly, if I think about the shows like Twitch shows where well-known DJs go through uh, submissions from people, I don't think I want to mint all of them. I don't think that would work. I don't care. Um, I, I don't even think it would make sense for uh, wh whoever these DJs are. You know, I can't remember their names, but all famous DJs doing these shows, reviewing the clips. I don't even the most popular ones. I don't think it would be a suitable fit to just say like, okay, and anybody can mint. You know, there's some auction going on for the winner of the Kenny Beats show or what? Maybe, but there's probably something that makes more sense. Look, I decide what goes on Kenny Beats. Let's just get it straight. Ah. <laughs> like, but. I hear. I think that there's. I just think that there's two sides to this, right? And but the other side is accepted. Like we don't need to argue in favor of let's do tokens that people sort of want. Like that 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 is the status quo. It will continue regardless of what we say. I really want us to focus office hours on dangerous mechanics that can sell tokens in new ways, not def defending existing models that people are going to do regardless of whether we talk about it or not. Because it's just not productive. Like yes, people will continue to do membership tokens with small communities and no real tokenomics. Uh, and because people are enthusiasts for that subculture, that's great. But we don't need to argue in favor of it. That is the status quo. So here's an idea. What if once a week I auctioned off a one-of-one -one drum machine and see what the actual demand is? You know, like I'm just putting one idea out there. And like every week, like come out with a different drum machine with a different like functionality and different instruments and different tempo and time. Like, so like they're very unique and like, having a unique aesthetic feel too. Here's what I would say. I don't think the NFT currently, I don't see what the, how the current NFT that you're, you've designed is flexing the fact that it's on chain. What is it about being on chain that's relevant? I don't think it's just a P5 sketch that you can save to on chain. It has to have something more like the, the way nouns aligned CC0 on chain art. Like there was a relevance mm -hmm. to that and, and an infinite auction. So they don't need IPFS hosting hundred years from now. It'll still be selling. Like it, you need a mechanism where the fact that you've done all this work to put it on chain is somehow relevant and flexed in a meaningful way, not just like, and whatever, and here's something it has to be why, like it should be dangerous art. It should be art that isn't allowed that Cloudflare is going to block or something. And that's why it needs to be on chain. It, you know, it needs to 
synchronize with what your unique value proposition is of the technology that you've built. True. I guess that's the next thing to figure out. <laughs> right. So what is a beat? that? And maybe it's not a beat, frankly. Maybe it's a South Park with, I don't know, racist memes in it or something, something that Twitter would ban. I don't know what, what, what the reason for doing artwork on chain is. Frankly, I think the main reason right now is just the intrigue of people who get the technology but don't yet have a application. You know, it's, it's more about meditations on what it means to be able to do it than an actual practical use case so far. The real practical use cases are sh shifting fungible tokens around and, and exchanging value. You could do PLA for like uh, weapons and stuff, defense distributed. That would be edgy enough to go on chain and kind of like freedom of speech and all in one first and second amendment. Awesome. So 3D models for uh, disposable guns, 3D printable guns. Yeah. That would be helpful. <laughs> There's your business model. I guess you only have to put it on chain once, though. You need to find a way to uh, get recurring revenues out of it. I think there's still something to say about being able to build on the, the componentry. Uh, and, like, who cares who mints? Like, people, like, well, yeah, I, I understand that the pay rent, I understand, like, how can you sell things, like, now? But I, I, I also think that there's, that that might be a, a Slightly a fool's errand and a, a local max if, if we're not piercing through to like, well, what do you care about? Like, what's important here and why are you, why, what's your passion in, 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 this, in this thing? And if it's like being able to build on top of a beat, like, uh, again, leverage the fact that it's on chain to compose with it and then build, do it in a way that's generalizable so others can do it also. The more you flex your own tool, the more others will eventually catch on. Um, and if you spend your time in the base layer just trying to like create little things just to kind of uh, like get change rolling in, it might it, it it might kind of well it might put stress on you as a creative person who needs to actually build on like the thing that you're you actually care about, you know. Totally. So maybe the real problem here is that it doesn't sound like that's a core. The, the composability of these beats on chain doesn't sound like it's being flexed in the current NFT metadata. Yeah. So that's something that can definitely be built can be added into it and just like being able to like combine them or like have multiple ones and they affect each other or kind of just like being able to use it as like, you can take parts from some of them like oscillators or beats or rhythms and stuff and combine it to each other. So like really you're making a larger instrument and then like yeah. maybe yeah. like someone would actually like want to use it for a show or want to use it for a set or want to use it like, to compose music for whatever their virtual experience is. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, like building the base composable on-chain thing and expecting others to come in and build with it, I think it, it's it's probably very unlikely, but giving yourself the freedom to do yeah, so. Yeah, no, building it myself. Is, is, like building is, it in a way like, where, building it in a way where it's just like, it's going to grow on itself. But also, like, if you're not actually the first user for it, then maybe there's no users for it. Like, if you're not using the tool to do beats and it's fun for you, and it, it's also some way specifically relevant about being on chain. It's really fun for me. Okay, great. <laughs> like, I feel successful. like last week it got to the point where, like, I fixed something with the timing, and now it's, like, so fun. Like, I feel like, like I'm starting to record it and put, like, actual synthesizers on top of it and using this as, like, like it really is a drum instrument at this point. So like I, it, it, I should start making like publicizing like songs and stuff that I'm making with the machine, you know? And like, I've been posting the videos if you've seen on my profile, but there's, yeah. You having fun is, is that feels like there's an opportunity for that to be contagious. 
it might it might not have i mean it's also hard to know ahead of time what is the nft uh mechanism like that will drive cash flow you know you have to just play and experiment and theorize and, and, and prove yourself wrong and thought and then in practice yeah but like the fun that you having fun and spending late hours trying stuff and 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 talking about it out loud in these conversations and in other forums that i think that has legs of, of over time um and kind of through these conversations yeah it, it, it's much it's much easier to go that way than than to do something that feels like you can kind of sell the next unit but is like that doesn't fit the mold of like why this thing had soul in the first place totally yeah and like the idea is like people will play it, you know, like they're not just like going to put this on their shelf. Like they're actually going to like learn how to use it and like use it in their own way. And like, they're going to be using a different type of instrument that they've ever used. Like I'm calling them drum machines, but like I'm trying to make them different than like your standard drum machine where all the buttons are always in the same place. So like I'm really trying to make it fun and playable for the internet. <laughs> so one thing uh takeaway here i think would be you should be able to access the beats on other from other beats that are on chain potentially would make it more relevant something composable would make it more relevant that it be on chain but overall it sounds like it's primarily an art project and your goal is not even just selling the nfts i think is at a point just imitative of the nft meta of the past two years and really it sounds like what you're making is in a way just like it could just be a contract that is a uh, that has this metadata associated with it. The storage on chain, so far, it's not entirely clear like why it's for saving, I guess. You're just saving state to the blockchain. It's probably not a very efficient way to do it. I'm not clear that there's, yeah. that there's a real reason why this data has to be on chain aside from it's cool and amusing, which is a good reason, but it's not necessarily a reason for, it's art, you know? It's not designed to move units, which is fine. It's not a problem, but just don't get confused about it or be disappointed about it if if it's pitched as art and it's, you know, an art project, we're not in a bull market. People are not just buying art like crazy like they used to. But I, I think the other thing is like, is it, well, anyway, we, we've, we've been through it. There's a, someone else who has a hands up, Liquidate. Hey, thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Hey, so I wanted to follow up on STV's comment about rewarding early participants in the network and how we can basically incentivize that, that sort of behavior. You know, so one of the things I think about a lot is, how on the L1 layer, we have blockchains that reward miners with the token to continue to add compute power to, to the system, right? And that, that creates a positive flywheel effect. Um, but how I haven't seen that on, on the app layer. Like, how can you use tokens to reward some sort of on-chain behavior? Um, so that is a, a, something I've been working on. I've, I've uh, been working on a modified uh, ERC-20 contract it's a staking contract so normally the staking contracts just uh distribute the rewards on one factor but i've uh, modified it to use multiple factors uh, in this case two and um so the basic idea is to just reward er the early users to do some sort of activity and i think that activity is figuring out how to get more attention to that token and then using that token to rank some sort of content that attracts more visitors to a website. I think it's very unlikely that your your the DAO the TCR like the registry of people who are members of the thing is better than TikTok at curating data, curating content. I think that's the challenge. Yeah, it's I, I think about it in more of like a Reddit. So um, 
instead of having one upvote to upvote some sort of content to the top of the rankings, you would be able to stake your tokens and any amount of it. And the more you stake to it, the more rewards you potentially have if it ranks uh, all the way to the top. So it's like a content yield farm TCR, sort of. Right. And and there, the second component that is is not so much um, like a TCR, it's, um, I would say, more of a uh, curation market, is this, this concept of the more uh, tokens that are staked on a piece of content, the, the, the later stakers, they'll have to wait more time when they unstake. And this kind of prevents the pump and dump, because otherwise you would just have a bunch of people all stake on one content to, to farm all the rewards from it. And then they'd all uh, head for the exits and dump on, on the exchange. So if you basically add some sort of like synthetic sell pressure, but in reality, it's not really um, sell pressure. It's, it's, it's the fact that you are having to wait this kind of cool down period after you unstake. Um, that, that deters people from just taking on any sort of garbage because they know that, you know, um, they have to wait like potentially weeks to get their tokens back before they, they unstake. Meanwhile, the people who staked earlier on that piece of content might only have to wait an hour. But who, who's, which audience are you monetizing here? Like who, who is looking at what, what location to be monetized in this way through this yield farm? So uh, I, I think about it very similar to uh, different subreddits on, on different uh, topics. So it could be a topic on gaming, Web3, you know, more specific like uh, NFTs even, like literally any topic. And that token is only used by the community uh, members of around that topic. And they're all basically uh, using the token to upvote content that is high quality, again, uh, around that that specific topic. And the reason people are driven to view on this site rather than Reddit is because they're being issued tokens also, I assume? So the viewers um, would not be issuing the tokens. They're, they're just the audience. They're just the eyeballs. But if this website were to, let's say, attract millions of viewers, well, then the token that had the power to promote content to the top, to, to be viewed by that large audience would obviously have some value, right? It would, it'd be like... Right, but this is pre, 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 this depends on you already having millions of viewers. So now you not only need to displace Reddit in a category that it's very successful at, but you are then... I think if you were the CEO of Reddit and you wanted to implement something like this, you could try. But without the views, this is a model for a site that has no views. So it doesn't... And it depends on those views to be the thing that are monetized by all these tokens. So I think it's... If you can make something that's competitive with Reddit... Maybe just do that. For sure, I, I definitely uh, see that. Like it, the the value of the token is all derived from the attention that it has, and obviously, if the website has no visitors, then there's no attention. Um, but uh, the way I'm framing it in terms of getting the flywheel going is think of it more like a, a newsletter. So you could start a newsletter where you're basically curating all the best links, and you could start that newsletter with zero subscribers and just grow it one by one. And, but instead of it being like this newsletter, that's just what you pick. You issue these tokens to, you know, 10 people, a hundred people, whatever. I think the issue is that I don't want to farm out my attention to a DAO of speculators. I just don't think they're good at curating content. I don't care to participate in their machinations for speculative games. And I do prefer content from algorithms that are hyper tailored to me rather than a large DAO or whatever that is sort of generically curating content for every member of the same. I don't think it makes sense in an engagement economy. Got it. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what I was uh, working on. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I encourage you to keep working, but I think the problem that you're facing is like, as a user, truly you, why would you rather go to a page that is curated by speculators rather than something that is an algorithm genuinely curating content for your prior expressed interest in content? It's, it's, doesn't seem like that governance mechanism is going to be better at curating. One version of like uh, Django mentioned in the past, the idea of like TCRs for say uh, for Juicebox, we have this juicebox.money website and it has like a trending section and projects on the protocol. It's just a front end to a, a, a blockchain protocol. And there could be a reason to have a TCR for lifting something up on that page because it already has an audience that's very niche for this. So maybe people who hold the token in the, the DAO that makes the website could use a TCR to decide what is like the highlighted project today or something like that. I think that could make sense, but it is still dependent on the fact that they already have a captive audience. So I'm not sure that the, maybe what you're building is more a solution for someone who already has that. Maybe you need to partner with somebody who does have an audience, but, and would like to introduce some tokenomics. Yeah. I mean, it could be, uh, because the, the old idea is that it'll be a factory contract that any sort of community can effectively create this token to rank whatever content they want. I mean, give it a shot. Uh, yeah, I, I think the challenge is going to be driving views to that site and then also the quality of the recommendations that the governance community builds. So you might want to adjust what you're doing so that it's, I'm not sure what you think the core competency is of the thing, but flex that. Maybe it's not exactly curating. Maybe it's, um, you know, I, I probably personally, in an era of personalized recommendations, I doubt a globally, uh, like, look, if you, have a, if you have a Twitter account with 3 million followers and 3 million Web3 followers or 1 million and 2 million bots, then you could have a TCR that's deciding what, or whatever kind of mechanism you want that's deciding what gets tweeted. It, it Ultimately, it is payola and it's it, like pay for play. I think the content quality declines over time and you get a less and less valuable audience, but maybe a larger audience also. Um, but like, if you want to, um, if you're aiming for the Reddit thing, that's like a super niche community thing where people like you, you add Reddit to the Google search because that's where the best results are going to be. Whereas if it's a... Um, well, anyway, you, you see that you see what, what I'm pointing at. That is what I'm envisioning is uh, be a small group curating content around a certain topic. I think we all have a lot, a lot to do in our lives. So there needs to be a really good reason why I want to do it. Um, but this is related a little bit to uh, like the idea of like single uh, use voting tokens or things like this, where if you're if what your DAO or your group has as a strength is distribution, then I think what you can sell is a little bit of access to that distribution. But in this scenario, it sounds like you're starting without any distribution. So maybe like, I think the big challenge for what you're talking about is building the network of people who are a captive audience uh, and less the specifics of the tokenomics around how to monetize that audience. If it was easy to do that, everyone would, you know, have a successful discord or whatever. Right. I think this falls a little bit into, I don't know if you were in the call earlier, but I was saying like, if the protocol depends on every user of the protocol being a Nike level marketing genius, it's going to be very hard for the protocol. Like those, those people who are able to do that kind of work will do it with or without your protocol. They'll do it because they have the gusto to do it and protocols and infrastructure help them, but there's lots of options. But it, it, if, you know, if you want it to be something that has an audience, it needs to be something that's easy for people to do. And this is kind of the TikTok lesson. TikTok started as Musical.ly, uh, which was uh, the, the founder was a project manager in San Francisco who saw who, whatever, there's this whole apocryphal story, uh, undoubtedly, but basically he was making short form educational content video platform. It was a failure. Nobody wanted to use it. And then he rejiggered the whole thing to do, to be around lip syncing videos. And they would have themes, hashtag themes, new ones every single day, push notifications to all the users, encouraging them to record their lip dub for today's hot song. 
really engagement maxing through notification channels. And then through that, they were able to get to a generalized video, short form video and a long form video platform. But it didn't start as that. It started as extremely precise niche activity amongst an audience that was specifically chosen because they had a desire to create music videos on their phones with their friends. They had free time and they had no compunction about doing so in public. So it was very, very, very precise to like this tween uh, audience. So maybe there's some version of what you're doing that's like that, that could be very precise to an audience that really wants it badly. I think the key thing what you just about what you just said is the iteration cycle. And the STVG brought this up earlier uh, as, as being an, an important, a potentially important factor in the design of an effective NFT or any kind of strategy for, for cash flow generation. That's just being able to learn and adapt and change in short cycles and um, in meaningful cycles. It's very hard to set an experiment up that you're committed to for years on end. Maybe that is the experiment and that's the value prop, but otherwise um, uh, kind of shorter moments uh, or, or shorter experiments uh, with tighter theses that, aren't, that you're not kind of attached to very much. They're disposable. They 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 are unapologetically experimental and uh, probably won't work. And going into it with that, I think headspace uh, allows you to kind of turn through these quickly, and creating uh, mechanisms that do have this tighter lifespan uh, help, whereas things that are indefinite in nature um, may be more complex. So we're, we're uh, almost headed to the end of two hours and I have a phone call that I already have delayed by an hour that I need to get to. But before we run, I wanted to know, uh, Jin or Ibn Inglor, did you have anything you wanted to, to talk about briefly or maybe we can we can set up another meeting to go in depth on your projects? Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd, I'd love to do something from the Juicebox HQ, yeah, you know, and Voxels. Fuck yeah. Yes, that space is so tight. And that's like, there's so much to do there. I feel, I feel like... Uh, that's that's symbi- symbiotic with what Lexicon Devils is doing, um, and it's about time. I think like that that experiment's proving out to be like interesting, uh, and and uh, I'd be excited to to support and help folks build on that for sure. It's such a gorgeous space. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, I definitely. Uh, I don't want to keep you out too long, but um the project i'm working on right now is is one that's already out it's called the danger zone ep uh, i released it uh, i want to say just just last year but i've been building on it since like the year before last so about two years now total and um the project basically is just uh, it's a music it's an nft music project but i've been building i've been racking my head and kind of against the wall trying to figure out like the proper utility to kind of build around it there's a lot of different things that like i have in mind that i want to do like um one of one um merch raffles for holders and collectors and um what else uh more tangible things that's like uh you know you could get get to come sit in on a studio session or a mastering session to see like, um how much effort went into making you know like either the whole project or at least like you know one three minute song one four minute song just something that's like a little bit more a lot more tangible for you know people that like really really fuck with my music and and just you know rock with me as a person or artist in general um i really uh, i really was just being a fly on the wall here because this is my first um office hour so i can jump in more depth until like at a later date just don't want to you know run over time yeah, it's my first office hours too. Let's let's do this again next week. Um, maybe I was also thinking we should try to monetize this 
I don't know how to do that exactly. Obviously, we could do like reservations for talking about your project for 15 minutes or something. I don't know if that makes sense. Could We could be very experimental about funding this office hours thing. Someone called it Shark Tank. But yeah, if anybody has feedback, Juicebox Discord, please uh, let's talk about what's useful. Uh, I'm going to continue to be a hard ass about making things that people who don't know you also want. And yeah, let's do, uh, does this time work for people like Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific? Seems good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shouts, Nicholas, for leading the way here and appreciate the tone of the combo. <laughs> okay, Very good. Sobering. I don't mean to be mean. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's you. It's you. It's you, dog. And like you bring that heat and it's extremely important, extremely valuable, and uh, it balances out a lot of stuff and uh, much love and much appreciation. Totally. And I appreciate everything you were saying also about um, the long-term vision, because definitely what I'm, this energy I'm uh, promulgating right now is very like, let's make some money right away. So very good to have the balance of, um, you know, do things slowly and build a community slowly. Both are viable. And maybe even, and maybe what we can get to is that these enduring smaller communities start to do small experiments that are more uh, trying to make something happen right now, while all that feeding back into a more longer vision. Maybe that's a way. Anyway, let's do this again uh, next Wednesday. See you, Nicholas. Thank you. All right. See everybody next week.